Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to a brand new season, but the same old fourth Italian football podcast as ever. I am your host, Connor Clancy. Joining me from very far away is the ever reliable Vito Doria. Vito, it is a pleasure to speak to you again, but also quite terrifying that it's been three months because it feels like last week that we were here. Yeah, it just seems so sudden that the 2018-2019 season's uh about to start again, but I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, the obvious reason is Cristiano Ronaldo joining Juventus, so I'm really hoping that more people follow Serie A and also listen to us on the podcast. So I think it's going to be a really exciting time for Serie A fans and even for us here at Forza Italian Football. Yeah, it's going to be exciting for a few weeks, but I'm sure by the time October hits, I will be sick of writing the words Cristiano Ronaldo and then followed by did something good. But yeah, no, you're right. It is... It is quite nice to have the big man in Italy. And I think I'll be seeing him in week three, actually, because Juve are away to Parma, and fingers crossed I will be there. Also joining me is the the ever-irritating Nicholas Carroll. Nick, how are you? Thanks for the build-up. I'm, <laughs> I'm very good, apart from just waking up, but it's very exciting to be back. Sedia is back after the, the long break, obviously had the World Cup with no Italy, unfortunately. So it has been a bit of a break. Um, but as you said, Cristiano Ronaldo has put the spotlight on to the league. So it's a huge chance for Italian football to show what, what it's made of. Uh, it's been a long time since it's kind of... Um, I don't know, lost that kind of spark, that international spark. So this is the time and things seem to be happening. Inter's growing. You know, a lot of those teams are the Milan giants of old. You know, it seems like it might be on its way back. So there's lots to be excited about. Parma's back. Of course, we were had a little video there. So it's um, there's 
so there's something there this season. So tune in. And match fixing allegations are back. How could you leave that one out? Right, we won't discuss that. The viewers are already kind of building up. Raven, Raven has come in the comments early. Raven, congratulations for being the first of the season. He says he's looking forward to all the Ronaldo fanboys joining the Serie A. The type that supports superstars, not clubs. Yeah, we'll we'll get plenty of that. I think Juve's social media team have seen the Cristiano Ronaldo effect take over because I think Cristiano had more followers on Facebook than Juventus did or something before the move. But before we get into Cristiano Ronaldo and Juventus, I do want to tease a giveaway that we will be running on this preview podcast. Sadly, for those of you watching, it is only for those of you listening to the audio version of the podcast. But if you are one of the viewers on YouTube, head to the link in the description. And once the podcast has been edited and uploaded, skip straight to the end of it because that's when we'll be doing the giveaway. So you don't have to listen to us talk absolute nonsense twice. Um, The prizes are going to be pretty good as well. And it's not, it's an interesting question. So head over, download the podcast on iTunes or Acast and be sure to enter the competition. Right, guys, let's start at what will be the top of Serie A likely for another seven years after the seven that we have just seen Juventus and are they just in their own league this season in Serie A is it going to be Juventus number one then there's going to be a a five team league beneath them Uh, Nick Cristiano Ronaldo is there does this just guarantee another Scudetto I mean I'm hesitant to say it's uh, the Scudetto has already decided, but the Scudetto is already probably decided. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> you just. I mean, what can you say? Like, if anything, their their biggest challenge in Napoli has been arguably weakened, and um, that you just look at that squad. It's just, and it's been strengthened, as you said, Cristiano Ronaldo. They've got Leonardo Bonucci back, so it's back to that defensive old you know the the combinations are already there it's they've got they've improved even with um they've managed to get Cancelo from Inter who was probably among Inter's best last season and he's going to be a great addition I I think he could really become something quite big um he'll he'll be creating chances down the flank for them so uh it's you know, I've, you try to find some negatives or something to say, well, maybe they won't be that good, but um, it, it seems like it's just going to be for Juventus, um, the Scudetto, and then how they go in the Champions League because there's, the success is going to be measured on Champions League because you'd have to think now that they've made that play for Ronaldo, anything less than a Champions League trophy like even a final I'm not sure that that's going to be good enough they it seems like they need to win the Champions League this season so it, it's a big one but I mean what what else have they got to kind of play for no I completely agree with that when they signed Gonzalo Higuain two years ago and they had won Serie A what five times in a row at that point and we said that his success or failure at Juve would be judged if they won a Champions League He helped them get to a final, but they didn't win the Champions League. So I guess that was a transfer that failed. And if Juve don't win the Champions League now with Cristiano Ronaldo, people are going to have some fun with it because he, that is the only reason you're signing him. You don't sign Cristiano Ronaldo to do something that you've been doing for the last seven years. Ronaldo's there for them to win and become European champions. And if they don't do it, it is another failed signing. I'm willing to say it because they don't need Cristiano to win 
sorry, uh, you, you touched on it there briefly, but they also brought in Emre Chan, Mattia Perrin, João Cancelo, and Leonardo Benucci, among others. Vito, it's quite ominous for the rest of the league, isn't it? Because you look and see Roma and Inter have signed well. Napoli came close last year. And then Juve go and sign Cristiano Ronaldo, bring back Benucci. Can afford to give away Gonzalo Higuain and Mattia Caldara. And they're still going to win Serie A quite easily. What do you think? Is it all about the Champions League for Juve this year? It has to be. Whether it's uh, just the Agnelli family or the Juventus board in general, as well as the remainder of the club, uh, domestic dominance is not enough for Juventus now. It's about conquering Europe and finally getting that third European Cup slash Champions League. They need to cement their status on the continent because at the moment they've won seven consecutive Serie A titles, but the Champions League's been so elusive and they've lost two Champions League finals in the last three or four years. So it's time that they really shrug up those, you know, those ghosts or, you know, those worries and finally believe that Europe is theirs for the taking. Yeah, there's some comments popping up. Doria Boy, he was an unfamiliar name in the comments. Forgive me if I've just forgotten you. Happy to have us back. He's looking forward to an exciting season in Serie A. And Badger has come in and said, so long as Juve don't get the treble, I'm happy. Well, I am fearful that you won't be too happy come the end of the season then. And I'll be joining you on that because it would be a shame to see Juve win all three things. No disrespect to them. But Vito, I say every year and I get criticised for it every year, I say that I, I don't enjoy watching Juventus in Serie A because everything they do can be predicted before the start of the season. Whereas in the Champions League, they've always been one of my favourite teams to watch. Are they actually going to be fun to watch this year? Because they've got, it looks like they'll probably play with Paolo Dybala and Douglas Costa behind Ronaldo. Jao Cancelo on the right offers them something different there. Emre Chan coming in, they might be a bit more of a ball playing team. Am I getting too optimistic that they might be fun to watch this year? Or are they just going to be the same old ugly grinding at results. At the moment, I still think they're going to be the same conservative Juve team. And the only way that's going to change is if Allegri believes in himself that he can play a far more attacking style of football. As we saw last year in the, well, last season in the Champions League when they played in Madrid against Real Madrid, they showed that they can actually play some exciting football so if they have that mindset for a majority of games, then I think the talent is there to really put the foot on the accelerator and you know even try and score 100 league goals in a season, which hasn't been done in a very long time, probably since the 1950s or even 1960s. So you know, I think Allegri's just got to be more courageous, more bold, and acknowledge he's got one of the greatest players of all time in his team. Don't waste it on playing for one-nil wins and nil-nil draws. The opposition is there to be smashed five-nil and six-nil. Ravens come back in the comments and says that Juve might take their eye off the league and Inter Aroma could benefit, which I think is a very optimistic way of looking at things because they could play a second string team most weeks in Serie A and still brush aside most of that bottom half. Nick, Inter were mentioned, so we'll move on to them. They... Me and you spoke in Milan over a coffee for a video that we did over the summer, and we were quite impressed by what Inter had done to that point. And since then, they've signed a couple more players. Uh, 
second is everything for them this year and maybe a title push given what you meant to see but anything less than second place for Spalletti in a second season should be seen as a failure this year <laughs> um, do you remember when you were giving it to me for, for predicting Inter would come second I wasn't giving out to you I well, just said that I wanted that on record and now you've put it on the pod without me even forcing you to so thank you very much um yeah, look, I'm not going to say anything less than second is a failure because, I mean, top four needs to be, obviously, continuously. All right, no, can we, can we get over this with Inter? Finish, but top four can be fine depending on what happens in the Champions League because Inter can have a good go at the Champions League here. So if it's a matter of, you know, putting a couple second-string teams towards the end of the season if uh, good, great pr- product placement, just FYI. Um, if, if it is a matter of Inter putting some second teams out there, um, you know, that's fine. In Second or third, it doesn't really make a difference. So that that's my only point there. Do I think Inter will... <laughs> uh, mugs, phones, stickers, pens, anyway. Back on um, point, back on point. We'll get to the shop later. Don't worry about it. Anyone who's listening to this is going to be like, what the hell is he talking about? Anyway. <laughs> Not for the first time. No, but look, but uh, they've had an amazing summer transfer. It's been a long time coming after so many ridiculous transfers and disappointment for Inter fans. So it's great to see uh, Rajan Angalan uh, will be huge in the middle. Uh, and then Lotaro Martinez, who at first I didn't think too much of it because, you know, a lot of people get way too excited over these kind of things, Gabagol being, you know, a perfect example. But um, already... Gabigol alone. I will fight <laughs> for him to the death. But, no, already, um, if anyone's caught some of the Inter's preseason matches, he looks something. Uh, obviously... He, he can score a goal. If you saw his strike against Atletico Madrid, it was beautiful. Um, but, he, you know, his skill on the ball is incredible. Um, he, his link-up with uh, Mara Cardi will be key. It looks like they can definitely build something. His passing game will need to be developed, of course, through the season. So I can't see him starting the start of the season. But, um, look, there's a lot of development there. So I think Spalletti will try and ease him into the squad throughout the season. So... Um, lots to be excited about. And, yeah, to your original question, I, I think Inter should finish second relatively comfortably. Okay, I was I was ready to jump down your throat when you started that answer, but then when you threw in the caveat of the Champions League, it was more accepting. But if Inter get knocked out of the last 16 of the Champions League and don't finish second, Spalletti has failed this season. And I will be reminding you of that next May if that does become truth. Vito... Their latest signing is Keita Balde, who we are familiar with in Serie A. You were one of the people who was most vocal on the podcast last year about their need for someone who can create chances for those in front of them. Personally, Keita Balde is a player that I have always found frustrating at Lazio. He he can turn it, kind of like Felipe Anderson in that he could be brilliant for three weeks of the season and then do nothing for 35. Uh, is he the guy to solve Inter's problems in that? in that hole behind Icardi? I don't really think he best operates in that role, but he is someone that can make an impact in games due to his speed and 
He also has that finishing ability too. So I'm hoping he has a similar season to what he had in his final year with Lazio or even better than that. So I really would like to see Keita Balde do well so Inter can really push for, you know, at least second place. And also any reason to keep Antonio Candrevo on the bench, that would be great. So with the amount of attacking options Inter brought in in the off-season, I think Inter can do better than fourth. And Keita Balde, he might be one of those difference makers. I reckon the season at Monaco was a bit of a bit of a one-off. So I think Spalletti can do something with him and bring him back to form. Let's hope so. Nick, I've sent you a question, so I'll stick with Vito for the next one just so you have time to think about that. But they've brought in... We were quite worried when Cancelo left for Inter because he's such a good player. But they've brought in... I'm sorry, Sima Grisalico. I'm going to have to learn how to say his name again now that he's back in Serie A. But he didn't always play for Atleti. I think he might have missed more games than he was actually available for there as well. But we saw during the World Cup what a player he can be when he's fit and playing. He's a pretty good addition for Spalletti's side once he stays fit, Vito, do you think? I think he is. He was a fine player at Sassuolo, and based on that, that justified first transfer rumours of him going to Napoli and then actually going to Atletico. So with Inter bringing him in, and he's also united with his uh, compatriots, Vozovic uh, uh, and Perisic, so I think that would help him set to win more. Plus, the fullback positions have been a concern for Inter, so I reckon Rosalco's got a great chance to really establish himself at a big club, and it would be a huge plus for Inter to have him there, but also beneficial for him to be in a big club, to also be back in Serie A, and as I said, to be with his Croatian teammates, I think that will help him develop his confidence and get him back into form because... I do believe that Inter look like a team capable of building something special, but um, uh, being Scudetto contenders would be a huge stretch, but there is something there. I don't think these players are mediocre, and I don't think Vasalco's a mediocre fullback. I think he can play. I guess this is a, a real test of Spalletti, not only how they perform, but how he deals with some of the individuals he's come in, who, which is something that Jake Phillips touches on in a comment that has just popped up. Nick, do you mind shedding some insight into Spalletti's man management and how he's going to integrate players like Nangalan and Keita Balde, who maybe have a reputation for being difficult to manage? Well, Spalletti has worked with Nangalan before, so I'm sure that won't be an issue. But Keita Balde, how is he going to deal with them? Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at all the Italian managers, I definitely think that Spalletti is the man that you want um, in terms of controlling certain personalities, let's say. And, as you kind of referred to before, Connor, Kate Belde has a history of, you know, being a bit out there. Um, so hopefully he's, he has matured, but I think Spalletti, uh, you know, that's half of his skill. You know, the, there's the tactical elements, but his man management is probably second to none, uh, at least in Serie A. Uh, you know, he, he he earns the respect of his playing shed generally. Um, you know, you saw you saw the 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 effect he had at Roma when he came in, um, <laughs> with with one um, exception, let's say. But um, that was ex- exceptional circumstances. Um, no, but I, look, I think he's um, he's the perfect man 
to get this team together. I'm really interested to see how Nangal and Anakadi works, two huge personalities in themselves. And I think I mentioned this before, but um, as you mentioned, he's worked with Nangalan before, so there's already that relationship. Um, you know, Spilett is the man that can do it. So, I, you know, I think he just needs to keep this team about being one group, not no individuals. And, you know, I will say that's one advantage that Inter possibly has over uh, Juventus in that they will be looking it's more of a team where I, I question whether Cristiano Ronaldo is um, is whether is uh, ready to um, relinquish his star. Um, yeah, right, I'll save you from your inability to come up with a word there. And Badger's come in and says he's going to be angry when they sack Spalletti. It's a matter of time. What do you think? They've they've learned from their previous mistakes, surely. I mean, I, I, I can't see why they would want to sack Spalletti. Um, I mean, yeah, that, how many man- coaches Inter's gone through? This is the first time we've looked like we might actually be building something. So um, they need the consistency. I guess one element is, you know, as we said with Milan last season, which, of course, they didn't listen to, is that they need time to gel. For Inter, I would say less so because, the, you know, they've still got that main, uh, the main structure from last season. So they've already got something to build off of. So I'm not expecting them to be in too much of a slump or anything to start the season. I think they'll be ready to go. And I think Spalletti's the man to do the job. I can't see anyone else who would be better placed Okay. Um, I don't know if people are returning, trying to wind us up as early as possible this season. Vito, this is you and me particularly. But LOLXY1 has come in to say, my money is on Fiorentina finishing second. I'm not responding to that. And Raven has come back. And this one, this one is obviously aimed at you, Vito, but I don't remember Raven being in the comments last season. He says, I think Crescito is the best signing of the transfer window. Where's he gone to? <laughs> I do remember Raven. I think he might be a Hellas Verona fan, if I'm not mistaken, or he made comments about them. But yes, Crescito did join Genoa after returning from Zenit St. Petersburg. But I do recall he did get sent off in a friendly or two. One of them was after 18 minutes. So um, if he's going to be getting sent off early in this season again and again, well, Jenna, they're in big trouble. Ah, it's CM Fox. You're right. It is the Verona fan. He's on his his business account. CM Fox, it is a pleasure to have you back in the comments (laughs) with us. And I, I should have known from the things you're saying, to be fair. Although you were unusually positive about something by complimenting Fiorentina's shirt. Um, what else have we got going on in the comments? Not too much. Right, we'll, we'll move on. to Just before we move on to Napoli, I do want to remind everyone that there will be the giveaway on the audio version of the podcast. So download that, skip straight to the end so you don't have to listen to us twice and find out how to enter. There's going to be a retro football shirt something to do with Roberto Baggio and money so you can buy things like this and like this in the FIF shop. So don't miss out on those opportunities. Nick, you and I, it's fair to say we had a bit of a soft spot for Napoli last season. 
Um, most of that was due to the fact that Maurizio Sarri had them playing some of the best football I have seen in my life. And I don't just mean following Serie A. I've never been as impressed with a team that I've seen in the flesh as I have been with that Napoli team under Sarri. But it's all changing. They brought in Carlo Ancelotti way back in May, just days after the season finished. And he still doesn't seem to know what he's actually going to do with this team. Personally, I'm not a Napoli fan, but I am worried for them. I, I'm going to go on record and say I don't think they'll get top four this season. I love Carlo Ancelotti, but I don't think it's going to work for him there. And I want to know why you disagree with me. Wow. You've thrown them out of the top four, just like that. Just I said this to, to you team. in Milan. I want to be upfront with my predictions and put it out there on the record as early as possible. But yeah, Napoli aren't getting top four this year. I mean, uh, <laughs> you've, t- you've shocked me, Connor. Um, uh, look, there, there is a little bit of, you know, cons- I'm, not, I'm not even going to say concern, but maybe just um, acknowledgement that it might take a little bit for this team to, you know, to come together and I guess acknowledgement that they're not going to particularly reach the heights that they had under Sari, at least for the coming season. But... To me, look, they, Jorginho is, of course, a massive, massive loss. Uh, he, he was basically central to that Sari um, philosophy. So um, in, in that respect, uh, I, I guess, you know, it is a bit of a, a downer. And Hamsik, I'm not convinced about him being in, that, that, um, in the middle of that uh, three-man midfield. Uh, but look. Can I just jump in on that? Sorry, um, I'll let you go back, but I was at the the Napoli-Liverpool game and I, you never want to read too much into a friend, but Hamsik played as Jorginho, basically, while Amadou Diavara was sitting on the bench. And Hamsik, as much as you love the guy, he is not Andrea Pirlo. He, he is not the guy who sits and orchestrates play. He's best when he's coming on to all the action. He can see everything. And we said last season that Jorginho played with wing mirrors on Hamshik hasn't got those same wing mirrors and he was getting caught out of possession stupidly and it was a shame to see him play like that because he was just swarmed by Liverpool and as much as you don't want to describe Hamshik as a weakness if he plays there for Napoli this year he will be exploited as a weakness yeah that's that's a fair point I'm, I I do wonder where what what Ancelotti's plans are with Diavara because he has shown in the past. I mean, we're going back two seasons ago when, um, you know, when he looked like he was really coming to the forefront and then he, he wasn't played that much last season as much as I certainly thought he would. So I'm not sure if there's something there that, you know, possibly we can't see or he's just not quite developing the way they planned. But um, I would really like to see him given more of a go in the starting squad and um, Hamsik, whether it is playing out wide or coming from the bench, um, you know, maybe that's something uh, Ancelotti will look to to go to gradually through the season. And but look, outside of that, it, it is basically the same uh, Napoli squad. They've got the same you know structure there: the Koulibaly, Albiol, uh, central defence. The, the the three forwards are the same, with some added depth. You could say now. Um, 
it's Simone Verdi actually scored a great goal against uh, Chievo, I believe it was, uh, volleyed it in from across a to the back post. Um, so look, there's some added depth there. Um, Adam Onus is still there as well. Um, he actually was, uh, <laughs> saw him have a little bit of a run against Chievo, which was That's nice for him. Yeah, I'll give him a uh, give him a little mention. Hi, Adam. Um, he had great skill on the ball. Actually, he had a he didn't seem to be able to um, pass it, but great skill. But look, I I, I can't. I think you know it's very easy to get down about this Napoli squad, but I think they still should be a top four team. They have the remnants there of last season. They've got the combinations already there, so I can't see anything disastrous. But certainly seconds probably too far for them yeah see last year finishing second was an overachievement in itself because what was it the fifth biggest wage budget all that on paper they're probably not the second best team in Serie A last year or at the moment and I do think without Maurizio Sarri they wouldn't have been anywhere near what they did achieve um Doria Boy has come in and says it's a fresh identity for the partner play on the Napoli at the part that I under Ancelotti I don't think it is it's just when I was at the game it just seemed like they were doing the they were told to do the same things that they previously did but without having been trained to do those things anymore so they looked like they knew what they had to do it just took a little bit longer Nick you look like you're trying to interject oh I, I did have one question but I'll I'll put that aside but just just on that point um I do think it is a really difficult position for Ancelotti to come into like let's let's be clear too because Ancelotti is one of the best coaches in the world like hands down so we should also realize that but coming into this Napoli team that over the last couple seasons they've been known internationally of playing this style of football so you come in there as a very world-renowned coach and you've got basically almost the same uh resources bar Jorginho being the main one so what do you do do you do you try to keep that same playing style going and then just slowly adapt it to your coaching style? Or do you just come in there straight away, change everything, and then hope that, you know, they're able to understand that new style quick enough through the season so that you can actually succeed? Like it's it, it's not an easy uh, time for Ancelotti to come in, and it is a huge challenge for him. So I can understand that, particularly in the preseason, why they're going to look quite disjointed, not sure what they're doing. Um, and that might flow into the start of the Serie A season, but I think I think he he deserves a bit of time to kind of find not only um, not not only allow the players to understand what they're doing, but for Ancelotti to actually decide what he needs to do because that might take some time. Yeah, I, I don't want it to seem like I'm coming down harshly on Ancelotti because I do need to reiterate he is someone that I have incredible respect for I love the guy as a coach but I just think at the point he is in his career and at the point that Napoli this Napoli team are it's not a good match I, I just think it's a recipe for disaster and it will break my heart to see him fail there but I do think that's what's going to happen and I agree with what you're saying about how it's a tough one to manage coming into this team how have such a distinctive style but Vito you caught a news piece on the last couple of days about how he still doesn't seem to know what he's actually going to do with this team. He's talking about changing the system now and we're, what, less than a week before the season starts. Yeah, it does seem 
that way, at least according to La Gazzetta dello Sport, they reckon that Ancelotti could move the defence deep instead of playing the high line that they did under Sarri, and it's possible that the defence will probably get more defensive cover or protection than what it did under Sarri. So possibly as the season progresses, we'll probably see Ancelotti create his own system or put in his own ideas, but it seems that he's going to be doing it out of necessity because there's a big transition between Sarri Stoll and his. If I had to make predictions, I'd probably say Allen and maybe Diawara, they could be those two defensive midfielders, assuming that Ancelotti goes for maybe like a 4-2-3-1 formation and perhaps maybe they become more counter-attacking or... There is less emphasis on possession now that Sarri has gone. So with different players, you also change the tactics of the team and with different attributes in those players, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect the way Napoli plays. But, of course, you've got to have the right balance. And if Ancelotti has to put in a couple of defence midfields to find that balance, uh, so be it. Mm. Alan to be fair, was the only Napoli player that looked impressive in that Liverpool game. He was everywhere, as you would expect. Um, Raven is checking the title odds for Napoli, I guess. Um, Doria Boy says Napoli won't replicate the numbers they reach into Sari. Don't think anyone's going to disagree with you there. And Jake Phillips makes a point that I am inclined to agree with, and that it will be a replay of Ancelotti's spell at Bayern. Players won't adapt well from going to a highly structured system to a more hands-off one. And that's the thing. There is a precedent for this with Ancelotti. He went to Bayern after Pep and it didn't go well for him. I think he'd still won a league there, but his time there is largely remembered as a failure, such such as the height of the bar that is set there. Uh, Yeah, I'm worried for him more than anything. Nick, we had a disagreement in January. I think you were one of the the many, many, many people who disagreed with me in January about my Simone Verdi article. He has now gone to Napoli. How do we expect him to develop or lack of develop there? Uh, look, in a positive for him, uh, he has a lot more chance to play under Ancelotti than he had under Sari, who obviously had that 11 to 13 players, let's say, that he pretty much used uh, exclusively. Uh, so it seemed like it would have been a waste then. So I think... Um, I think Ancelotti has already shown that he's going to utilise him where he can. I think those uh, forward three are probably not going to be as, you know, set as they have been in previous seasons. So there's going to be more pressure on Insigne, Callahan and Mertens to to be performing. So um, you can, of course, I'm not sure why you're laughing, but um, (laughs) um, so it's good. It's good that they've got that depth now. Um, Someone actually mentioned uh, Inglese there as well. So, added depth so look that that's only going to help Napoli going forward I think so it is a good thing and yeah I, I think Verde I think we all agree he's he's I mean he's not a world beater but he's got the ability to perform at Napoli let's say so I think he could be good let's hope so I was laughing nothing to do with what you were saying but CM Fox he might have a different name tonight but he's up to the same old tricks because he, he's given us the title odds and said Napoli are second favourites at seven to one then he said Inter are both 8-1 to one and 10-1, to one, so I don't know what he's done there. But then, Vito, this one's for you. Genoa at 1,000-1. to one. Might get on that. Yeah. 
Very generous thoughts. Very generous. <laughs> if you want to throw your money away backing Genoa for anything, then feel free, mm-hmm. CM Fox. But we're not going to push you one way or the other. Question, uh, question for Vito. <laughs> Go on. Uh, yes. Is Doria Boy, is he one of yours? One of your fans? What's going um, on? Actually, yes. He's from Nigeria and he's been following me on Twitter for about a month. So. Yeah, yeah, interesting support. Hopefully more people jump on the bandwagon. And, of course, Forza Doria. <laughs> I think I got a Sampdoria follower because of you, actually, about a month ago. So maybe it's, it's the same one. But I don't he know. uses Doria Boy on Twitter, so... Oh, no, no, no. I'm, a, I'm thinking of a different guy. Your, your following is large, Vito, larger than the rest of ours. Um, <laughs> right, guys, Vito, Roma or Milan next? You can choose. Um, actually, we'll go Milan because okay. there's been quite a bit of news with them. So yeah, they've them they've been doing okay this summer. Like all the hype around them last summer with the spending, but by getting rid of Nikola Kalinic, like finding someone who was willing to give them money for Nikola Kalinic, they deserve a trophy for that in itself. And then to to get Gonzalo Higuain in in his place. They're not going to know themselves. You've got someone who can score goals, you know, and it's not a kid from the youth team who scored a few. They've got Gonzalo Higuain. They're, they're going to get top four this year at last, mm-hmm. right? I think they have a chance, to be honest. I probably was one of those people that talked up the chances too soon last season, but I think with the Elliott group coming in, replacing Yong Hong Lee, there's been a lot more stability off the field. So hopefully on the field we see those results and look I was critical of Higuain at Juventus and I don't think he lived up to the hype but I think with the Rossoneri he can make a difference he's arguably the best player in the squad at the moment so I think he's a guy that Gattuso's got to really look at seriously and see that you've got to see what Higuain's strengths are and he's still a good finisher so hopefully after the criticism I have given him over the last two years Hopefully he can, you know, prove people wrong and show that he still has that full finishing touch because he scored a good one in that 3-1 defeat to Real Madrid in a friendly. So hopefully he replicates that in Serie A. You would hope so. And he's someone that just, he just scores. He's one of those players that, Nick, we spoke about him in Milan and you said you didn't like him because of his personality or something, but... As a player, I love Gonzalo Higuain. He gets criticised for being fat, but it, he just scores goals all of the time, and except for Argentina. For everyone else, he just bangs them in, and I, I really like him. The, what's exciting me about Milan this year, as much as it is upsetting to see Mattia Caldara just being tossed around the place like a, a piece of dirt, he's back reunited with Alessio Romagnoli in front of Gigi Donnarumma. They have a decent defence next year. And when when you throw Andrea Conti back in at right back and, I don't know, Davide Calabria at left, it's quite exciting from an Italy perspective as well. Nick, do you think that they can actually do something this year? Well, yeah, you, you just look at that kind of starting team and you think that's, it's a solid team. It's a really solid team. Like the defence in particular, as you just mentioned, the, the centre-backs are great. And it's easy to forget Andrea Conte, obviously, with the injuries and stuff, but that's a huge plus for Milan to have a healthy Conte actually playing for them. Like, that's 
we kind of forgot that he was even there. Um, you know, a, a massive loss for last season. So um, and then you've got the midfield. It's a very solid one. Bilia, Kessi, Bonaventura. And now, as you mentioned, Higuain, and he showed just exactly that, the ability to be able to bang in goals. And I can't remember who it was against, but in one of the preseasons, he did one of those goals just from outside the box. Nothing kind of happening, but turned shot goal. And that's going to that's gonna make it so much easier for the likes of Chalhanolu, for Suso, and for Bonaventura to be able to find space around the box and for them to actually create opportunities. That's what they've been lacking a lot of, um, the opportunities and finishing. And, um, you know, a lot of it's been in the past relied on the likes of Bonaventura to create or Suso when, when he decides to, you know, actually play. So Higuain's, I think, is going to be massive, not only for his goals, but his presence just in that, around that final third is just going to help his teammates so much, I think. So there's a lot to like about this Milan squad. Only probably thing I'm, I'm wary of in terms of them finishing in top four is that you start to, um, you know, make some substitutes and the depth isn't quite there. So from that starting 11, there's not much there to, to back it up throughout the season, given that they, you know, will be in Europe mm. once again um, yeah. after that little appeal. So, um, look, you know, it, it's a very solid squad. If they can remain healthy, then they, I'm sure they can have a good play at the, the top four. Yeah, you would expect so. Iguain being there is important. And I think Patrick Catrone must be absolutely delighted to be learning from someone like that at this stage of his career. But you listed some of their important players. Uh, Conti, Caldara, Kessie, Bonaventura. I'm, I'm seeing a bit of a theme here with important players at the bigger clubs. Um, can't quite work out what it is. Either of you help me out with that one? I'll put it this way. Look, if Spal is the Atalanta B team, is AC Milan the Atalanta A plus team? <laughs> Vito, you're done. You're, you're not on the pod anymore. Um, <laughs> that is an outrageous shape. But they're just Atalanta's financial backing. They give, up, they give Atalanta money every year and Atalanta keep taking over and doing as well, if not better than them. But we'll see how it goes oh, this beautiful. year. Can we um, quote that? Someone quote that. Put it on Twitter. That's that'll be. Don't worry. That'll be doing the rest for the rest of the season. That's not the big Milan in Bergamo. I'll be quoting that straight back at Fino. Um, right, guys. Uh, what's the story, right? Because Donnarumma is still there. Reina's there. Who's number one? Nick. Ah, Donnarumma. You have to assume. Um, I. Rainer's got, I mean, at his age, he's got to just be a backup. They've, they're spending way too much for Donnarumma to be a backup keeper, surely. Um, I'm not his biggest fan, I'll admit, but, I mean, he's he's got the development there. So, I don't... Okay, okay, okay. I don't know what... We, we should... This is something that we should note, because Philip is back in the comments... And if you guys remember correctly, Philip is the guy who disappeared for a few months because he had to go and do national service or something and go go and take part in a war. So, Philip, it's great to see you're back. God. Welcome along. You have missed the inter chat, sadly, but stick around because they'll get another couple of mentions towards the end. And 
Get involved with the chat. You and CM Fox are already getting on again. It's nice to see you guys having a little cuddle in the comments. But I think it's time to talk about Roma. Vito, they've been making some interesting signings. It is a shame what happened with Malcolm. But they've got Javier Pastore, the young Cliver, it's Brian Cristante, and uh, of course Antonio Morante as well. But they've signed quite interestingly this summer, and I'm I'm intrigued to see how they do. I think they'll finish top four, but I'm not entirely convinced just yet. What do you think? Is Di Francesco the right man to be with these players? We've seen him do similar work with Sassuolo before, and indeed with Roma last year. So. What do we think about the Gialarossi? Well, my opinion remains of Roma and Di Francesco. Last season was just a transitional year, but they still finished third and they managed to get into the semifinals of the Champions League. So what Monchi has done is added a lot of players that are predominantly going to be depth players. I don't think too many of those signings are really going to make a big difference except for possibly Cristante and Pastore. Those guys, I think they can really change the shape of the midfield and probably help Rome to become a more fluid team. So I do think they should finish in the Champions League spots again. It's whether they can take the next step up and really, you know, finish higher than third. So that's probably one thing. And the Malcolm situation, Malcolm situation, I just think that it's a bit of a fuss bit of hype around it, but I don't think Roma will have many regrets in the long run. If Clivert can justify his uh, signing, then I don't think they'd have to worry too much about Marcon. Plus, Cengizunda in his second year with the club, he might have another good year. Plus, they still have Stefano Sharari and Diego Perotti on the books. So, uh, Malcolm, when I think about it, I can just let Barca have him. What's there is good enough for Roma and I don't think Malcolm's the kind of guy that would get Roma into a Champions League final anyway or win Roma Scudetto. So no big loss in my view. I think it was just the situation that just got too murky. Mm. Now, Philip says he he was sure they'd get top four until they sold Alisson and I, I was quite similar in that. I thought selling Alisson is obviously huge. Mm. Nick, um, do you want to talk more about Roma or will we... Uh, I mean, I think you kind of got the main points. I, I think with them, though, I still see them as a top four, kind of going along what you guys were saying. Um, I think them and Napoli will be kind of the main competitors, let's say, for the, the top four. But for me, it's going to be Juve, Inter, and then you've got possibly, let's say, Milan, Roma, and Napoli fighting for those top two positions. So that's kind of where I see them. Um, I think Roma will safely be in the top four, but I just, with them, I just think they have those kind of fringe players, which Vito uh, was referring to, which have the potential to be really, could do some awesome things, but also could just be duds, let's say. Um, So I think as long as, you know, they're average, they should finish top four, but if all those new players like Clivert, if they really are able to come to the forefront and Under continues some of the form he showed last season, then there is a potential that they could actually go a bit higher. All right, Nick, I'll stick stick with you. Do you want to... It feels... It would feel wrong if we didn't give Lazio a mention, given how they have overachieved, but I don't really know what to say about them because... They just do the same thing. They've lost to Ryan and Felipe Anderson, obviously. 
what do we think is Simone and Zaghi this is going to get confused I nearly called them Pippo there and they're both in Serie A this year so just prepare yourselves for a long season of me getting the Inzaghi brothers mixed up but um, can Simone Inzaghi replicate what he's done there in the last couple of years Nick will Lazio be knocking on the door of the Champions League again Flexibility is great that's why there's yoga Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, yeah, actually, now that you've said that, you've just made me realize that I'm, I left them out of my little, um, fight for the top four. And I think, to be honest, they d- deserve to be mentioned in that group because but doesn't that sum up Lazio for the last two years? You well, keep yeah, overlooking yeah, them they much. just keep just, doing Yeah, that. exactly. And, you know, look, as long as at the moment, if they keep the, the key things are Milinkovic, Savage, obviously that's been a huge thing over the summer, still there. So if he remains that's going to be absolutely huge for Lazio. That's better than a signing. So uh, Immobile, Luis Alberto, they've got those key players there. So they've been able to do some good work in terms of replacing De Vrij with the Cherby, which is almost a swap for swap. That's really good piece of business. So, you know, uh, similar to Napoli for me, the, the main the main structure formation is still there. So I think there's no reason why they, they will go backwards and, they're one of those teams that will keep just being annoying to some of the bigger teams, let's say, you know, with all due respect to to Lazio, you know, I don't mean to disrespect them, but, you know, they'll, they'll be, they'll be thereabouts. I can't see them going backwards. Let's say, let's just put it that way. Vito, did you want to make a comment on Lazio as well? I'll be very honest and say I would be surprised if they finish higher than sixth this season, to be honest. Ooh. I reckon... Mm, I, I'll be honest. I reckon last season was a lost opportunity for them to get into the Champions League. That was sort of the window. But the way the other teams have restructured this season or during the summer, I think it's going to be extremely tough for Lazio. The way... Ro- Roma have strengthened. They're going to still be up there. Napoli, if they drop off, that's one thing. But I still think they got a good enough team. And Milan, 
despite all the problems they've had, I still feel a sense of optimism, especially with what's happened in the last month or so and with the signings they've made. Lazio, it's same old, same old. So even with Milan Badel and Joaquin Correa coming in, I don't think that's enough of a jumping quality to get them into the Champions League. But in saying that, Simone Inzaghi is a fantastic coach. And if someone's going to get this squad into the Champions League, I think it's someone with his know-how and nows that can get the Aquile into those high spots. But, um, yeah, on paper, I'm not optimistic about them as yet. But just, yeah. just off the back of that, can I just sorry, say, I think... I think it's actually when you look at this, the the fact that we're talking about where Lazio will sit with regards to the the AC Milan's and Roma's growing and developing their squads. I think it's it kind of highlights that Serie A is actually growing and it's actually looking to be showing some real positive signs for the future because these squads that are now um, competing for the the Europa League places, they you know. Sedia has the depth again. Well, they're beginning to have that depth again, which is really positive. So now I guess it's a matter of Sedia clubs showing what they can do in Europe. And hopefully now that the spotlight's on, obviously with the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, um, these kind of squads, you know, for Lazio, for, for me, they're going to be playing similar ways, but it's up to the other teams to actually improve more than Lazio. So it's not about them going backwards, but it's, it's great for the competition as a whole. So I'm really hopeful that this is going to improve the quality of the top six to eight teams going forward. Yeah, I'm glad that you said Serie A is showing quality again and showing signs of development because I think you could even limit that to the top half of Serie A because beyond the usual suspects, you've got Atalanta, Fiorentina, possibly Torino and Samp, we'll see in a group that are quite strong. But then... Beneath that, it's, there could potentially be an, a load of absolute dross. And then we saw Serie B just revealing today, what, six days before the season starts, that they're going to have 19 teams in it, an uneven number. So a, a team gets a rest every week. And that they, they only just released the fixtures today. So Italian football is still an absolute mess. But it is nice to have some good football <laughs> amongst all the madness because it's because it's because the Serie A, Serie B quality is so good that we need to concentrate <laughs> on less less matches each week. How good was it last season? So that's why and you know get one team a break each season so they can look on and see the quality that's happening. If you're not watching Serie B, get on it. Yeah, for sure. Crotone. Just, don't just Crotone. share the club name, Nick. Don't, don't just share the club name <laughs> and then not offer anything Crotone. on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, we, we come to Italy for the football and you stay for the madness because it's more entertaining <laughs> what happens off the pitch than what happens on it. And it, it was quite heartwarming to have another match-fixing scandal back this summer, wasn't it? it was, <laughs> how, how good did that make you feel about it all? <sighs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm not commenting. <laughs> uh, welcome back, Parma. It's good to have you guys. But I have best of the rest down, and don't confuse that with the ones to watch that I have a bit further down. So we've discussed the the usual suspects: Juve, Inter, Roma, Milan, Napoli, Lazio. So that's that'll be the top six. Who's who's going to be the strongest? I'm obviously thinking of the Bergamaschi. 
Any anyone else worth a shout there? Well, aside from my eyes towards Sump and then of course keeping an eye on Atalanta, I think the best of the rest probably be Fiorentina. I think with the front line of Piazza, Simeone and Chiesa, and then also getting Kevin Morales on loan from Everton, I think that can be a very dangerous team. The only thing is that Stefano Pioli's got to make sure he gets his midfield structure right. So the likes of Benassi, Eseric, Vertu, they've got to really lift and give those forwards some proper service. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll stick with Vito Fiorentina, at least on paper, uh, significantly ahead of the other teams, in my opinion. And I think they have enough to put it together. I mean, that attack is very exciting. So as long as, you know, that they can keep that midfield structure and the defence in check, then um, they should be the best of the rest, as you say. Is there a chance that they could push for a little bit more? Because Fiorentina are a club that probably should be. Uh, Fiorentina, well, probably for the reasons I said earlier, it's more about, you know, if Pioli can get the midfield right. The defence is not too bad, but it's solid. So, you know, although Astori passed away tragically, I still think they got some good defenders, especially German Pizzella. So I think they'll be solid there. But, yeah, if uh, Simeone can get close to 20 goals and Chiesa, he can be a more reliable contributor goal-scoring wise If he can score 10 or 15 himself, I think that will make a big difference. Yeah, they've, got, they've certainly got the potential to, to be challenging in the future, but I think this team probably needs another season. And then next season, we might be talking about them pushing for you know, European spots. Okay, right. We, we've been gathering our predictions behind the scenes at ForzItalianFootball.com. There will be an article going up with all of the writers' predictions, or those of us who have been bothered to put them together and send them on to the boss, man. I, I suppose we'll start this with the easy the easy thing, the, the, the logical place to start at the top four. Uh, I'll list mine first. I've gone in order. Juventus, Inter, Roma, and Milan. Nick, then Vito. Um, I've gone Juventus, Inter, Napoli, and Roma. I've gone for Juve first with Inter second, Roma third, and Napoli just to get that final spot, but not with okay. great confidence. All right. I could, I could hear it in your voice, but I'm glad that I'm the only one that's predicting Napoli to get outside the top four because it means the pod will get less hate. And if I'm right, I get to rub it in both of your faces. So it's win-win for us. <laughs> uh, relegated then, sadly. Sorry, guys. Parma. I don't think you guys will be sticking around. Although Alessandro Bastoni's gone there on loan. So Nick, you and I both have a bit of interest in him, seeing him do well. Frozenone will finish bottom. And 19th place. See you later, Udinese. At last. <laughs> um, for relegation... Quick side note, just unrelated completely. I just wanted to say that, um, you know, the editor, the the boss man for FIF, we all love and respect you. Complete side note, nothing to do with this. My relegation picks, Kievo and Parma and Frazanone. <laughs> but Kievo, Kievo particularly. No comment. Yeah. Look, I'm going to go, yeah, Kievo, Udinese and Frosinone. Quick uh, reasons. Kievo, I think the pragmatic approach, even with Lorenzo Dunn as coach, 
I think it's becoming too outdated. Everyone's starting to become more attacking in Italy out of all countries. So if they don't evolve, they're going to really sink down. Udinese, I wrote a piece about the new coach. I think it's a recipe for disaster. Sorry, Sonia, if you're listening. And Frosinone, you can add all the experience you want, but quality is quality. And Frosinone, they haven't got enough Serie A quality. So unfortunately for them, I think they're dropping back down. Imran Khan has come in the comments. I'm just catching up now. And he thinks Lazio are going to get top four. CM Fox is... Fido, what did you do to CM Fox? Because his relegation predictions are Frosinone, Sampdoria and Empoli. Uh, which comedy festival is up next? Did the Montreal one just finish? <laughs> Actually, Vito, I'll tell you what comedy festival is up next. It's CM Fox's again because his title predictions, his top four predictions are Genoa, Inter, Juve and Roma. Uh, well... <laughs> you don't need to respond to that. Uh, well, well, let's be honest. Is he living in 2018 or 1948? <laughs> That's what I've got to know. Because even in 1948, I don't think Genoa were good enough. Nah, who, who knows? He's, he's on the wind-up, <laughs> you know. He, he's absolutely just... Hellas Verona aren't even in Serie A anymore. You don't need to respond to them. They're back where yeah. they belong. Kievo are the number one team in Verona, which is embarrassing because they barely have any fans. <laughs> But sorry, you back Vito into the corner. I'm going to help fight his case. Um, I'm not going to do top score because I've just seen the three of us went for the exact same person. No money for guessing who that's going to be. Um, player to watch. I have let my bias creep in, but I think it is quite fair in Musa Barrow. He is. He showed in his games last season how deadly he can be. Terrifies defenses. Nick, you'll remember him absolutely ripping into a part in the first half before being taken off at halftime for some reason. And the only thing he can't do is execute a good first touch. Other than that, he's brilliant. If he can develop his first touch, he's going to be frightening there. And with Duvan Zapata also at Atalanta, I think he's going to learn a thing or two about controlling the ball from him, hopefully. Nick? Yeah, I've, I mentioned him pre, uh, before in the pod, but uh, Lotara Martinez, I think, is so exciting. I probably wouldn't have said this a few weeks ago, but just the way he's played uh, in preseason. It looks like him and Akadi have already got a little bit of a combination there. Um, I'm really excited to see how Spalletti introduces him throughout the season. And I think with him and Akadi there as as top quality finishers, um, it could be so exciting up front for Inter. So um, keep, he, he's definitely one to keep an eye out on. And Vito. Well, I've put down Justin Clivert, and I must admit I haven't seen a great deal of him, but from what I've seen, he does provide a bit of an X factor, a bit of spark on the wings. He's got a bit of potential. And, of course, being the son of Patrick Clivert, probably one of the best strikers in recent memory, um, of course, it's interesting to see how these sons of champions do, if they can live up to the same hype as the fathers. So... I wonder how much of an impact he can make at Roma. And we saw what Cengizunda did last season, so maybe he can replicate that. Yeah, Clivert's one that I'm looking forward to seeing as well. Uh, I don't know enough about him to comment, but he seems to have a lot of talent. Uh, this is one that I always like answering every season. What would you like to see this season? Last season, I wanted a title race. We got it. This season, I'm not so optimistic about that. So I've kind of cowardly 
said that I wanted to see Mattia Caldara settle down at Milan and do well. And I'm looking forward to his partnership with the rest of the Italians building in Milan's back four, and hopefully he can be part of something there. Nick, what have you got? Uh, look, I, I just want to see the the the. It'd be good to see the Milan Giants back again. Uh, I don't think we're quite there. I think we might get one half of it with Inter this season. So it'd be good to see them back uh, competing as a European giant again. Uh, but also to see, as I kind of touched on before, that the Serie A clubs actually showing um, what what Italian football is about and actually impressing the international audience that hopefully the, the league's going to get this season. So performing well in Europe and actually making for a good competition. Peter? Probably following on, yeah, uh, following on from what Nick was saying, uh, probably I would like to see AC Milan actually fight for the Champions League. Gennaro Gattuso has his critics as a coach, but I still think it's a very good team. And I think with the, uh, yes, Nick, I see you. Uh, with Higuain and Caldara there, I think they're good additions. So hopefully they make a difference for the Rossoneri. Uh, I also want to see Domenico Berardi finally live up to his potential after two poor years. I think after those first three years, he was sensational. So I really want him to really become a star and, show us again why he was so highly rated in the first place. So good to would be good to see him back in form. And, of course, you know, like we've seen in the last few years, just see more Italian kids come in. I mean, the youth teams, the Azzurini at all different levels have been making finals and semifinals. So with more youth coming through, I think um, we can look for a more positive future for the Italian national team, which we need after, obviously, watching the World Cup without Italy. So... More young Italians. You know, if you like watching the young Italians come through, I've got a club that seem right up your street. <laughs> well, Atalanta is the obvious one. Yeah, for sure. Gianluca Mancini, actually, he's going to be the successor to Mattia Caldara at Atalanta, and he featured a bit last season. He looks like he's going to be the, the number one choice in the middle of that back three this year, and he's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Uh, Aaron Holland has come in with a nice what you'd like to see this season. He says he'd like to see an Italian national team form as an Italian player stepping up, which we can all get behind, especially after the absolute farce that was last year. Um, right, this then, ones to watch. I, I had a clubs in mind here. What are you laughing at? Uh, seeing Fox is trolling the boss. It's great. Oh, the boss is getting involved in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, people always think that's me doing those live comments. It's not. <laughs> that's the boss. Um, all right, ones to watch. I've gone surprisingly for Sassuolo because if you remember when Di Francesco was there, they were quite an, an exciting team, played nice football. And then they kind of went off a cliff. For the last two seasons, they've been an irrelevance. But now they've got... Domenico Berardi is still there. They've got the boy Boga in from Chelsea. Kuma Babakar is there. He might do something. Kevin Prince Boateng ridiculously is there. And um, Federico Di Francesco. I really think that'll be quite exciting this year. Manuel Locatelli, of course, his signing from Milan went through today. A permanent signing with no buyback clause, which is curious. But I think Sassuolo... I, I'm not sure they'll be world beaters or they'll be challenging Europe, but I think they will be enjoyable to watch this year. And 
given that I am hoping to be based quite near to Reggio Emilia, I might get to watch them quite a lot this year, which which will be quite nice. And their kit and song is good too, so get on board. Nick, what have you got? Right. Uh, I've got Torino for this. And to be honest, this summer uh, window, it hasn't been overly exciting. Most of their business has been around uh, making their loan deals permanent for the likes of uh, Kalu in central defence, uh, Thomas Rinkong and Bai Niang. But um, to be honest, for this Torino team, I think consistency is going to be the best thing for them, uh, ensure that that defence is actually, and midfield is forming those combinations from carrying over from last season. And obviously with Mazzari coming in uh, mid-season, I think, um, you know, the longer this team plays uh, together, the the more they're going to develop, and they could really surprise a lot. There's, they're, they're almost like a, a team you just want to kind of like the underdog because a lot of the players there that they're, they're kind of the the ones that didn't quite make it at the big clubs, so they've kind of got together a few of these players together, and they've got a lot to prove, I think. So, the the big caveat to this is obviously Andrea Bellotti. Um, whether he can actually reach the heights of previous seasons because he did struggle last season after. Um, those injury um, periods out. So if he can actually perform, um, it'll allow his teammates a, a lot more time and ability to create. Um, but, yeah, the, the potential is certainly there. So I think they, they could surprise a few this season. Well, quickly before I go on to my prediction, I'll just uh, touch briefly on the teams that you guys mentioned. So we've so Swallow, I think they will be a team to watch because – Roberto De Zerbi was working one as a Benevento despite them finishing on the bottom of the table. They did look competitive in matches, but just the quality of the team just wasn't there. So I think with the youngsters that Swallow has and the experience of Boateng, um, I think they can do well and they'll be a really excellent team to watch if they buy into De Zerbi's ideas quickly. And they did thrash Ternana 5-1 in the Coppa Italia, so it looks like those key players are getting on board. Well, with Torino, they thumped Cosenza 4-0 in the Coppa Italia. And, yeah, it looks like Mazzari's ideas are coming through. So, hopefully, Mazzari helps his team to overachieve because he's done in the past except for Inter, unfortunately. My tip is Fiorentina, though, for the reasons I repeated earlier. So, yeah, it's just a matter, you know, if Pioli can get that team firing right away. If they can fire in the goals and live up to the hype, I think they're probably going to be one of the most exciting teams to watch next season. It's just a matter if they can be consistent and obtain good results and really shake things up at that top half. We've we've done it. We've made it through the first podcast of the season. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, though it's kind of terrifying that it has been so long because it honestly feels like last Sunday night that we all sat here talking about that mad game when Inter beat Lazio to get back into the Champions League. Right, guys, as I've mentioned at the start of the podcast and throughout, we have a massive giveaway to mark the start of this Serie A season. It is huge, even bigger than Nicholas Carroll's ego. You can win a Serie A shirt of your choice or any from 3retro.com. That's the number 3retro.com. Plus €20 spending money in the FIF shop. And thanks to the ever-so-generous Barry Masterson and the extremely talented Barry Masterson, might I add, a beautiful Roberto Baggio print. Wow. Isn't that amazing? 
But it doesn't end there. If you come second, you also get 20 euro to spend in the FIF shop. And let's be honest, guys, you can't get any fairer than that. Now, to get your hands on these goodies, all you need to do is tell us which player will complete the most passes on the first weekend of Serie A. So tell us the player and how many passes you think he will complete. The person with the closest to the actual number will win. Simple. To enter, either send us a tweet using the hashtag FIF giveaway to at Serie A FFC or leave your answer in the comment section of the podcast on the Facebook post or you can email Football at snack-media.com and entries to the competition will close as Juventus kick off their Serie A season with Cristiano Ronaldo away to Chievo. Best of luck. Have we got anything else to say before we wrap up? No, we've spoken for more than an hour, so I think we've said more than plenty. All right, guys, we've we've really enjoyed the interaction. It's been good. First one of the season's usually a bit dodgy, but you guys are obviously raring to go. Live viewers has been good throughout. Thank you so, so much. The next time you see me, I will be in Italy again, um, waiting for these two boys to book their flights and join me. I might even be with Dov, the boss, talking about Kievo, no doubt. But yeah, it's a pleasure to be back, guys. Stick with us through the season. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us. Tell everyone about us. Share us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Everything. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy. I'm the same on Instagram. And I've got a page that you can like on Facebook. Just look up my name. Vito, do the same. On Twitter and Instagram with the same handle, Vito C. Doria. And I've got my Facebook page at Vito Doria as well. So... Go and have a look. Nick, you're already smiling. What are you going to do to annoy me? <laughs> I'm just surprised that you threw an Instagram out there now. Is that a new thing that we're doing? What's on your Instagram? I don't even know. Just photographs. You, like nothing you... to do with football. Oh, so a bit of insight into Connor's private life. No, just like photographs. Um, like nothing dogs. To do with... No. Go follow me on Instagram. You'll find out, mate. <laughs> cool. I will. All right. Um, are you going to tell people where they can find you or are you just going to do this thing again? I mean, it can find me on Twitter and Facebook if you look hard enough. Thanks. Uh, we are on Twitter at Serie A FFC and on Facebook and Instagram at Forza Italian Football. Head over to the website, ForzaItalianFootball.com. Read all of the things you need to read. We will have season previews going up for the big six clubs in the next three days. Nick, I think you might have to message me back. Um, but everyone else is doing things. Vita's doing an overall season preview. We'll have young players to watch, surprises to look out for, the usual nonsense, um, something about kits. And then the real football will start on Saturday. And I cannot wait for the football to start so we can stop talking about transfers and all of the other nonsense that goes with the summer and the off-season. But yeah, I'm rambling. Guys, thank you for returning this season. I'll speak to you next week. and. All that is left for me to say is there for now. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Simili a degli eroi Abbiamo il cuore a strisce 
portaci dove vuoi verso le tue conquiste dove tu arriverai sarà la storia di tutti noi solo chi corre può fare di te la squadra che sei in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.